today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet with Every Wish. Hey everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order from the beginning to the end. I'm J.B. Clark. I'm joined as always by my faithful, loyal, and wonderful co-host, Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing today? Hey, J.B., let's let's send Human Touch off in style. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is a good one to start off on. I think so, too. I think, um, so, th- anyway, the as you mentioned before, the song we're talking about today is the song With Every Wish from the 1992 album Human Touch. I, we've... We've had an interesting sort of complicated relationship with this particular album in the life of yeah. of this uh, of this podcast and this is this is the last song that we're going to talk about in the alphabetical rotation from this album. So um some of the songs from this album we've been middle to uh, good about and then some we've just been like this this is not great. And right. and here we are. We're we're landing the plane on with every wish. And I'm well, not going to lie. And we have also on some of these songs we have also been uh, this isn't a good song, but it's kind of a banger. <laughs> Like what? Like what? What were? I'm trying to think of what. Hang on, let me look at the track list. Because I really like the song "All or Nothing at All," like unapologetically. I think it's a good song, and that's on yeah, this album. I don't think I rated it super high, but like I, it's a banger. You know, like yeah, it's it a, it, it's a rock and roll song. Yeah, that's definitely one. Like Fifty Seven Channels, I talked about how I really, really, really love sort of like where the music is pointing, but I really, really hate that song. <laughs> that was that was our first. I think that was the first episode we did. I mean, we did that in the first week. I think that was the first one that we did that we were like, "This is not good." I think we got yeah. off to a rocky start as a Bruce Springsteen the, fan podcast. Like mm, Fifty Seven Channels, yeah, a song. Uh, so uh, the much maligned. I wish I were blind. Yeah, you really like that song, as I recall, but I yeah. it's not for me. I think Man's Job was probably one of those, like, this kind of rocks sometimes, but I kind of don't like the song as a whole. Um, we'll, we'll do we'll do a full album recap. We'll, we'll go back yeah. through it eventually at some point. But so, yeah, so we, we've had a con- an interesting relationship with this particular record. So with every wish, the question becomes, do, are we ending on a high note? Are we ending on a low note? Are we ending on a who really cares kind of note? So uh, the song, the, the live history of the song is pretty short. It's been played live six times, and every one of those times was on the Human Touch Lucky Town Tour in uh, 1992. In fact, the most recent performance of the song was July the 23rd, 1992, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So Bruce has not played the song since supporting this album. Um, yeah. And he didn't even really play it later on the tour. Like he, he I th- it looks like he kind of ditched it pretty early, even on that tour. So uh, not not a super well-known... In fact, no kidding, there was a minute while I was preparing where I, I had it in my notes that this is from Human Touch, and for a second I was like, no, wait, this is a track... Like, I almost thought this was a deleted song. <laughs> just because yeah. like this song is so like just not in my head most of the time. But as I was listening to it, every time I put it on, I'm like, huh, I'm I'm curiously really good about this song like this song is, is good you know like I, well, I don't mind it at all yeah i'll say that it starts off pretty human touchy and sort of just acoustic and and sort of our pretty like just hard manly melody or whatever and then and then it really builds like or the orchestration of it really comes together in a way that uh by the end of the song you're, you're kind of emotional a little bit you know you're like you're digging it yeah. Well, and I mean, we've talked a lot about like one of the major problems with this record is that it's so shimmery. Like that's the, I think that's the word you've been using for this record is that it, yeah. everything feels so overproduced and polished and it, it does not feel like rock and roll. It feels like someone's simulation of rock and roll in the early 90s. And this song is very much not like that. This is a it's 
pretty stripped down. It's it's a quiet acoustic track. It's got some trumpet, which is it kind of makes it an outlier on, on or an outlier on this album. Yeah. So uh, even even in relation to the other songs on this album, it, it is a little bit different. It it doesn't possess it does it doesn't have a lot of the same bells and whistles. You know. Yeah. yeah I mean. It, it, yeah. Go ahead. I wouldn't call it an acoustic track, but it it starts acoustic and it stays soft. Yes. So yeah. it's it's easy to confuse, you know, to sort of give it that. But it's really pretty big as far as orchestration and stuff goes. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty huge song. The trumpet is being played by a guy named Mark Isham, I think is how he pronounces his last name. And his band is playing backup on this track. So, like, Bruce brought in a bunch of people. Like, he just brought in a group of musicians just for this one exact thing. Specifically, uh, like, a group of musicians who are familiar with, like, horns and orchestration and so, like it, it, it would it would sound different because it's it's recorded with completely different musicians than every other track on this album. I, I can't rem- remember what the trumpet reminds me of, but it's something that I'm very fond of. It is it's nice. I I like the trumpet. I mean, I think trumpet's not a thing you see a lot in Bruce Springsteen music. Specifically, I think of like Meeting Across the River as like yeah. one, one of the only Bruce Springsteen songs to feature the trumpet. And so it, it makes a return here, interestingly. Um, I, and actually, Mark Isham, the guy who plays the trumpet, he says that the, they over that when the band was brought in, the musicians, they played over a demo that was, in his words, very much in a Nebraska type vein. So the original cut of this that he heard sounded like some of the songs from Nebraska. So already we're in a different lane than, than with most of the, the. And I mean, like you said, it, it's it has been smoothed out. It, it is it is well a lot more polished than a Nebraska song is. But yeah. compared to the rest of the record, it feels a lot smaller and a lot in uh, a lot more stripped down even if it isn't actually stripped down it feels more stripped down than say like 57 channels or human touch or any number or all or nothing at all you know yeah the, so the trumpet it's played sort of like jazzy uh like tonally mm-hmm. with a, maybe a stop or something um yeah it's it just definitely makes muted it, for sure yeah it's got that blasty i hate to say like use this word to describe it but like that sort of like spitty tone yeah uh, like maybe there's a bunch of spit in the instrument. <laughs> I told I um, I have a younger brother who uh, played trumpet when we were kids and like when we were both in junior high and uh, I know exactly what you're describing. I know exactly the sound you're describing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean like, 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 like the rattling. right way to get this tone is to put like a is to blow the mouthpiece really hard and to put like a stop in your bell and yeah. to kind of manipulate it with your hand. But like you can also achieve this sound by not cleaning your instrument. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a beautiful trumpet sound, uh, spit tone aside. <laughs> I hate that I described it that way, but that's like just what I think about. Anybody who's uh, ever been in high school band knows exactly the sound you're describing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for making better about that. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it starts just acoustic picked out, brushes on the snare, and then like a big bass comes in uh, partway through the verse. And it almost sounds like there's an electric bass and an upright bass. Because the uh, big whole notes sound like an electric bass, and then there's these sort of like like um, higher notes that are kind of like slid up and stuff that sound like they're played on an upright bass. Um, so I could be wrong about that. But is it possible I... that some of that bass is d- being done on a synthesizer? Just I mean, I'm, the only reason I ask that is because I know what sessions these are. You know what I mean? Like it's possible that's not really happening. Yeah, but it's kind of thumpy. Like the big whole notes are kind of have a thump to them. Mm, okay. And and the um, upright stuff. It doesn't sound like an upright on the whole notes to me. It sounds more like because they're big whole notes. It sounds very much and they're pretty well sustained through the notes. So it sounds like that's probably an electric bass. That's that's my thought. I could be wrong, and it, it very much could be a synth, but mm. you know, yeah, really nice. Uh, 
<laughs> their synths weren't as good as they are now. Uh, as far as like emulating uh, instruments. Sure. Yeah. Uh, any so then the trumpet comes in really nice, and then uh, big strings in the second verse. We get some hand percussion on some like maybe some bongos. Yeah, it's a song that I don't love when it starts, but it just gets so good. And this, the brushy snares start to uh, start to play the cymbals a little bit. I do like the brushy snare. I, I like the subtlety of the percussion in this. I'm all about anyone who just gets the brushes out and starts playing that uh, that rail that uh, railroad snare. You know, mm-hmm. I just yeah, I just love it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, the first couple of measures to me with the, where he's kind of picking the acoustic guitar, to me, it sounds a little bit like brothers under the bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Just, just as it begins kind of like, I, cause I, I hear that and my first thoughts are like the, the opening line of that song, which is like Saigon, you know? Um, I mean, obviously I know this is a different song and brothers under the bridge for those who, who don't know brothers under the bridge was, um, an acoustic track that was an outtake from the ghost of Tom Jones sessions that's on tracks. And it's a beautiful song. And the opening guitar bit at the beginning of this, I don't know, for some reason, it, it always reminds me of that. Yeah. And, and that song had not been written yet. So I don't, I don't know if like, yeah, I, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that was part of the calculus for why he left it, Brothers Under the Bridge, off Ghost of Tom Joad. I wonder if he was like, oh, right, it sounds a little too much later. like With Every Wish. Yeah, maybe. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm totally guessing. I'm, I might be completely wrong about that. But that's just, in, to my ear, that's what it sounds like. But yeah, I, I think I think the song sonically stands as a really good contrast to a lot of what the rest of the record is. And a lot of times, songs like that kind of stick out a little bit. I'm thinking of like Cautious Man on Tunnel of Love in that sort of, you know, that that, that song always kind of like sneaks up on me. And I'm like, whoa, this, this is very different than everything else. Uh, but this one I really like. I think this is a, a welcome kind of interlude to the, you know, the much more intentionally produced bits of this record. Yeah. You know. You know uh, what? What? I have a Johnny Coltrane record. John Coltrane. I was going to say Johnny Coltrane. Johnny Coltrane. <laughs> I think that the trumpet reminds me a little bit of that record. I forget what it's called. That is high praise. It's a really good record. Is it a Love uh, Supreme? Yeah, it's a Love Supreme. Mm, that's a good record. I think I think that's what I'm hearing a little bit. And I could be wrong. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to... I don't know what it reminds me of. I could, I could fall asleep to this every night, like this trumpet, uh, with like the upright bass parts underneath it. It's... Freaking beautiful. I am anyway. sure if Mark Isham heard you say that his trumpet playing reminded you of John Coltrane, I'm sure that's maybe the nicest thing anybody's ever said to him. You know? That's, oh, sure. That I, is high I, praise. I don't doubt it's been said before. He sounds like he's a talented guy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do some lyrics? Or? Absolutely, man. Why don't you uh, take the wheel? You want me to do it? Yeah. I mean, it's a Monday episode. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. So uh, here we go. First verse. Old Catfish in the Lake. We called him Big Jim. When I was a kid, my only wish was to get him to get my line in him. Skip church one Sunday, rode out and throwed in my line. Jim took the hook, pole, and me right over the side. Went drifting down past old tires and rusty cans of beer. The angel of the lake whispered in my ear, Before you choose your wish, son, you better think first. With every wish, there comes a curse. So that's an interesting verse, right? Because yeah. it, it's this picturesque Norman Rockwell like picture of a kid skipping church so he can go fishing, and the end is like it's like a, an ominous warning, like be careful what you wish for. the The fish may eat you. You know what I mean? Like who knows who knows exactly what's going to happen uh, if, if his wish comes true? But God help us all, apparently. Yeah. So so yeah, it starts with like this. Um, there's like an idealization of something, and then it's there's almost this warning of like nothing nothing that's too good to be true can actually be true and like you're gonna 
you're going to pay for whatever it is that you wish for, I guess. Also, I love that it's like uh, it starts off folk and then it takes a slight turn into surrealism and then just a real hard left into fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it really paints a, a, a pretty vivid picture for you. But it, it's also like, what in the world is he talking yeah. about? Uh, the angel of the lake whispered in my ear, before you choose your wish, you better think first whatever wish comes across. So, uh, yeah, I guess he caught a genie instead of a fish. And yeah. I know. do love that line with every wish, be careful with every wish comes a curse. Like, every action has a consequence. Yeah, and nothing is perfect. Like, there's no there's no idealized version of reality that doesn't come with some some struggle. Yeah, it reminds me, like, when I was a kid, I watched some science show where they uh, were put into, like, some environmental simulator uh, I don't remember, you know, some surreal got dumped into this thing that they could change anything about the environment. And the first thing they did was like, all right, let's get rid of bats. Bats are gross. And oh, then man. immediately just a million mosquitoes started biting them. <laughs> they were like, let's get rid of mosquitoes. <laughs> and just every everything that they thought would maybe be a good decision really just threw the whole world into, you know, into, into in the insane flux. And that's what, you know, with every... I don't know. I guess when I was a kid, that was the first time I realized that, oh, even good things have consequences. Yeah. They may well, not be bad, but they exist. Like yeah. everything. And when anything happens, something else is going to happen. Well, it's the, I mean, it's like that old, the fable of the monkey's paw, right? Like every time, every time you make a wish, it like, it gives you the very worst version of the answer to that wish, you know? Yeah. I feel like there was a Twilight Zone episode about that too. I know there's a Simpsons episode. I'm sure there's a Twilight Zone episode about that. And Definitely. of course there's a Simpsons episode about it. Absolutely there is. Uh, there's a South Park episode where they were trying to do something unique and original. And just every time they did something, one of the kids would pop up and be like, Simpsons did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The Simpsons have done everything at this point. I yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Verse two. Yeah. All right. I fell in love with beautiful Doreen. She was the prettiest thing this old town ever seen. I courted her and I made her mine, but I grew jealous whenever another man come walking down the line. And my jealousy made me treat her mean and cruel. She sighed, Bobby, oh, Bobby, you're such a fool. Don't you know before you choose your wish, you better think first, because with every wish comes a curse. So so there's this thing of, like, he he's in love. I mean, this is a really interesting thing, right? He's, he's in love with this woman. She loves him back. But his love, because he loves her so much, he's also deeply insecure that maybe she doesn't love him as much as he loves her. And so, like, his love is actually... Like his the intensity that his love is manifesting, if you want to call it that, makes him harder for her to be around. You know, like, yeah. Like the the love that he has to offer her is also the thing that is probably going to kill their relationship. Yeah, and that's a really I, I think that's like a really nicely and self aware, self awarely written line. I mean, unrealistically self aware. I think maybe, <laughs> but uh, but still nice. Yeah. All right. So next verse. Yeah. These days I sit around and laugh at the many rivers I've crossed. But on the far banks, there's always another forest where a man get lost. Well, there in the high trees, love's blue bird glides, guiding us across another river on the other side. There's there someone is waiting with a look in her eyes, and through my heart's grown, though my heart's grown weary, and more than a little bit shy tonight, I'll drink from her waters to quench my thirst, and leave the angels to worry with every wish. It's and interesting. He, seen, he doesn't finish the phrase in the last yeah, well, verse. He, well, he says, and I'll leave the angels to worry with another with with every wish. Yeah, which is is a sentence, but the by itself. But he sings it the same way he sings the other ones, the other lines, and so it feels unfinished. The melody is unfinished. He he like carries it up to the peak of the melody and doesn't resolve it. Yeah, 
which is it's it's kind of cool like it like as a mental exercise it's it's interesting to sort of like th- like sit with this third verse and and think about like his heart's grown weary he's more than a little bit shy like he's he's been he's 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 received pain he he knows the pain of what happens when you get what you wish for and now it's almost like in order in order to receive anything good you have to also be willing to sort of let the bad come with it i guess because nothing is perfect and so so it's almost like it's not a warning anymore. It's just like he he understands. Like this this is part of the structure of life. You know. This, this, yeah, this, and he's also joy and there's sorrow. He's drinking from this river in the in this forest. Where everything gets lost. So there's a lot sort of implied there with you know what happens next. Like does he get lost? Is that it? Does he give in? Does he cross the other side to face the consequence, or does he you know like? Yeah. Uh, I just really love it. It's I, I wrote in my notes like I like how it ends mid thought. It doesn't end mid thought though. The thought is completed. Because of the way he phrases it, I will drink from the waters and leave the angels to worry with every wish. Yeah. But he doesn't. But melodically, it is not. It does not end. It is not resolved. It leaves. It leaves a lot. I, I like that a lot. I do too. Well, and it um, it 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 looks a lot like surrender. Like basically, he's releasing all the things that he never had control of. You know, like yep. the the first the first is about like this kid who wants to catch this mythological like catfish in the lake and and he's he's skipping church to do it which it could be seen as like an ominous sign like he's um he's forsaking the sacred as as an attempt to to get this thing that he wants this um like macguffin in his in his or own life seeking the sacred in nature well that i mean yeah that that is how i would frame it but i'm i'm thinking like inside inside the logic of the song you know what i mean like i got you th- yeah, there's cuz the idea of of skipping church in, in in the mind of someone who grew up roman catholic and like the act of skipping church in order to catch a fish becomes sort of like you are it it it, it you you feel guilty about that that's a thing so even if you get the thing that you wished for there's still there's still going to be some shame associated with it, and then the next yeah. one is about like how he fell in love with this woman, and but you know like his intensity and his insecurity like poison the relationship. So in also it's interesting that e- each verse is about one specific wish, and there are three verses. So I mean this, the structure of the song is three wishes, you know? Yeah, yeah, and. And so, but with the last, and, and so with the first two, it's about control. Like the guy wants to control the woman. The kid wants to control, like he wants to, he wants to be the one to catch the fish. He wants the glory. And so the third one though, it's like this release. It's like he's, what he's learned in his life is, oh, when I try and control things, all it does is make things harder. And all it does is, is bring guilt or pain or loneliness. And so it's like in this third verse, he's like loosening his grip on all the things he could never control in the first place. So like with every wish and like i guess we'll just see what what happens next you know yeah so i, I like this it's, it's it's interesting it's the lyrics are interesting and deep enough and a little cryptic and it's it, it's in, it's an interesting kind of thing to to dwell on and, and and right after the next track on the album is roll of the dice which is like over, overly used like metaphor beat into the ground like there's nothing vague or about that there's nothing subtextual about, about rolling the dice yeah yeah and and i love that it's paired with this song which is very pretty and it's really subtle in what it's trying to say and it kind of leaves you kind of wondering like well what happens next to this guy does does life get better when he surrenders is he is he more content even with the wishes and the curses you know yeah and hopefully the answer is yes yeah that that is the the hope is that he's he's been able to grow also it's i mean it's it's hard to separate songs from what's going on in Bruce's real life because 
this is post E Street Band. Like this is the first album he's made since he publicly has separated himself from the Eastry band. He left his first wife, married a second wife. They've had a kid. And so all the things younger version of himself wished for, he got, and then he kind of blew them all up and then wanted to, and tried to start over again. You know what I mean? Like, that's interesting too, that this is, this is written by somebody who literally got all of his wishes granted. And then it became sort of like a, Oh no, <laughs> like what, what, what do I do now? Like, I, yeah. like I just finished this worldwide born in the USA tour. I'm a global superstar. I'm I'm married to a supermodel and I feel very lonely and very empty and like that can't be right, you know? So I, I do wonder if this came out of sort of that journey as well. And you gotta wonder if some of this was also maybe about the band. Mm. Like he got what he wanted in doing solo stuff. Yeah. Um and certainly is capable of it. But also like there's a lot of companionship you lose. Um playing music with someone is 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 a big you know with you connect with is like a really big deal so you gotta wonder if that was that was part of sort of the the math here i think it would have to be i think i mean all because because yeah he's he shed everything that was normal for him at this point and he started completely over um yeah and that's like band marriage like he moved to the other side of the country i don't know what exactly he needed but i'm sure i have to assume that something inside the song came out of that realization of oh, like we, even when you get everything you wish for, it doesn't mean everything becomes easy. It actually gets a lot more complicated, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- this is this is a really nice, profound song. I think I think it is deeply within the, the overall theme of the record, which is about loneliness and companionship and like longing in a lot of ways. And so this, uh, I, th- I think, this song fits very nicely. Also, again, it comes right before "Roll of the Dice," which is also a song about love as constructed by a a luck related metaphor. You yeah. Know? So we're dealing with wishes and rolling dice and taking chances and, you know, hoping for something and then maybe getting a distorted version of that thing. And it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting that this is sort of where his head is. And like, on, even on the record, like he pairs these two songs together. And that, and that is interesting to me. How many, uh, lost lures do you give this song? Three and a half. How about you? Man, I am 100% with you. Also three and a half. Yeah. Nice. Well, we go out on human touch together. We do. Absolutely, we do. Double three and a half for, for the... As, as we do everything. As we do, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, before we sign off, though, you've got a nickname. Oh, I do. Thank you for reminding me. Absolutely. I do have a nickname. I, I got one for Nikki Ryan, who, who is a recent patron supporter, Patreon supporter. So, Nikki, thank you for uh, supporting us. And just a couple of cool things about Nikki. Nikki uh, works for... Uh, she's from Canada. She works with Sony Radio Group, right? Sony Radio... Sony bands, people signed to Sony who are played on the radio. She does that stuff. Okay, so she's not like making TVs. She's she works in the uh, content creation part of Sony, the music part. Cool. So she told me a cool fact. She and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I get this 100 percent right. So she saw Bruce for the first time uh, when she was 16 last year, at the end of last year, 11 years to the day after her first Springsteen concert, got to send her first Springsteen song. To the radio, to to launch it to radio. Oh, so that's pretty cool. What it was, was one of the uh, it was Land of Hope and Dreams from Bruce on Broadway. Nice. And that's then great. Uh, she also got to send out Hello Sunshine and There Goes My Miracle. So very cool. That is very cool. Very cool. And she's a patron. She's a patron. She, she listens to this. 
Yeah, she listens to this dribble. <laughs> well, how about that? Well, thank you. Yeah, and so I asked her uh, what one of some of her favorite songs were, and Growing Up was on the She said she couldn't pick one, but Growing Up was one of the first ones she mentioned, and I love that song. And I love the cadence of that song, so I, I, uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to rip it off Nice for this nickname. So here we go. Uh, she wasn't sure she was a believer 33 freaking songs ago. But when she saw the Boston All's Glory, the more it took, Hang on, sorry. <laughs> it's going I great. totally just misread that. So she wasn't such a believer 33 friggin' songs ago. She said that. Uh, she, her first show she went to, she was like, and then 33 friggin' songs later, I was a believer. So anyway, sorry, that's a direct quote from email. A little inside baseball there. Anyway, she wasn't sure she was a believer 33 friggin' songs ago, but once she saw the boss in all his glory, there was more to it than just the show. She now knows the truth, but spells favorite with a U, and she's Nikki Ryan. Queen of the Tunes. Oh, that's a good one. Nikki Ryan, Queen of the Tunes. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, that's you good. like that, uh, the, the build up there, the, the little cadence from, uh, from, uh, from growing up. Anyway, uh, when you hear Melody Over the Waves, she was the one making the moves. She's listened to every song she can. When she hears one, she likes. Now, when she hears one, she likes, look up. Oh, Nikki's blowing it up. You know who she is? She's the jukebox graduate for First Mate. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if she can sing, but she sure can sail. Or no, that's the other way around. She couldn't sail, but she sure can sing. Well, she said almost the opposite in her email. She's like, I sure can't write a song, but I want to make song. Like, I want to put songwriters out there, was what she said in her email. Nice. When she saw Bruce for the first time, she, like, like I said, uh, after my first concert, like, she basically said, you know, like, I I went down front, rededicated my life to music. Like. (laughs) She uh, she said, I have to be a part of this. I'm not a songwriter, though, so I had to find another way. So she went and studied music. Anyway, Nikki Ryan, thanks for being a patron. Thanks for uh, also being like a part of Bruce Springsteen's music and um, and for making music happen in Canada. Yeah, she's doing way more than we are. That's right. She's blowing it up. <laughs> when she hears the song she likes, she looks up. She blows it up. All right. Well, thanks so much, Nikki. And uh, thanks, JB, for that awesome nickname. Well done. Absolutely. Thanks, Nikki Ryan, Queen of the Tunes. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, you can join us next time, and we'll be talking about the song Without You. So to JB and Nikki Ryan, Queen of the Tunes, we'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.